How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Welcome back, everyone, to the second part of our discussion on RRIF. We will just now jump right into it with uh, our questions for Ken Pei. So now uh, let's assume that I've converted my uh, RRSP into a RIF account and I've put all my assets in there. Uh, what can I investment in, in that RRIF? Can it be the same assets that I had with my uh, RRSP? So, yeah, so when it comes to the investments, typically in general, um, whatever you are invested in your RSPs that you can invest in is, is the same for your RIF, right? Um, if you want a more exhaustive list, then you have to go to Canada.ca and just do a little bit of research on which investments are actually allowed and which ones are not. But the most common ones, you know, the most commonly used ones are your mutual funds, your stocks, your bonds, your GICs, cash, sometimes real estate, sometimes mortgages, stuff like that, uh, ETFs. There's many different things you can do um, in, in terms of what types of investments you can hold in your RIF. Wonderful. That's very helpful. So what you're saying is whatever investment I had inside my RSP, essentially, I can hold those same uh, assets inside my RIF with a few exceptions. And obviously, the most updated information would be on that website that you mentioned to make sure that we are in line with government rules. So Ken, you mentioned earlier that um, by the end year of age 71 we have to have the account set up uh, but we actually don't need to take the money out until year 72 and so my question now is uh, how much do i have to take out is there a minimum but also is there a maximum and is this amount something i must do that is mandated by the government right so there is the to, the short answer to that is there is a minimum right depending on the type of account you hold. Um, and so if the, the, how the minimum is calculated is actually a, a certain percentage uh, based on your age, right? And it changes depending on what the government tells us. So right now, if you're looking at, let's just say uh, 71 years old, approximately about 5.28% per year. Now, where do they base that 5.28% from, especially if you're your portfolio fluctuates in time, especially like this year, right? Drop and came up, drop up. So it is actually based out of the December 31st of the previous year's value. So they look at the value on December 31st, mark, fair market value. They will use that and that percentage of that will be now the minimum amount that you have to take out. There is a minimum. So even if you're not quite 71 yet and you said, you know what, I want to take out some money. If you say if you have a million dollar portfolio and let's say let's just say the minimum was four percent, uh, you can't just say, well, I just want to take out a thousand, right? You can't. You have to take out the minimum. Now, <clears throat> on the maximum side of things, that only applies for the locked in retirement income fund. If you have a locked in retirement income fund, 
there is a maximum that you can take out because I think the rationale behind this is that this money was actually initially set up as a pension plan whereby it's supposed to provide you an annual or a monthly income for the rest of your life. So if they would allow you without take, without putting a cap on it to take all that money out, then you will not have that pension anymore. So that's, I think, the rationale behind the locked-in maximum. The maximum is there for locked-in income funding as well. If you wanted to know what those are, then you have to kind of check it out with uh, the government sites, uh, Canada.ca. So again, Ken, for most of us, uh, we are independent practitioners without a pension. And so what you're saying is for us, there's really no maximum if we're not in a locked in account. Uh, if we're in a regular RIF, there is no maximum. So we can take as much as we want to or can, but there is a minimum. And the minimum currently at age 71 is 5.28% calculated based on December 31st amount of the previous year. So as you mentioned, if I have $1 million sitting in that RIF account, then this year uh, I need to take 5.28% of that, which is uh, $52,800. I have to take out minimally uh, in this current year, correct? Yes. Okay, so let's come back to a question that is a little bit more abstract now, and it doesn't involve the mechanistics of the issue. So I know that the government mandates us to uh, open up an RRIF account because this is the way for the government to access the taxes that we must pay on all the growth inside the RSP account that was tax sheltered for 20, 30, 40 years. So this is the government's w uh, way of uh, taxing the money that we've saved up all this time. And so we must open an RIF. There is no two ways about it. It's, it's mandated by the government. And so from your perspective, Ken, uh, I know that even though it's mandated from the government, there are some drawbacks to the uh, RIF uh, account. So from your perspective, what are they? So that's a good question, Vu. Um, and I think too, maybe after this, we can talk a little bit about some of the uh, advantages of it, uh, because there's some that I just thought of when you asked that question. Um, so there's, there's drawbacks to uh, to any type of accounts that you hold, right? And it all depends on each individual's uh, circumstances. Uh, what is your situation? So this is the reason why the planning part is so important to understand where you're at. But when you're looking at this, let's say, for example, I have a client uh, who is a physician right now who who's about 75 and still practicing right he's practicing he's 75 he's making good money right uh, but he's also taking out money from his riff right think about it if you are making six figures two three hundred thousand whatever that is you're paying the highest tax bracket right uh, on this then you have to take out your minimum riff amounts that you've saved from from your RSP so that is now a RIF, then you'll have to add that income to your to your current income. You're going to have to pay the highest tax bracket on that RIF. So in essence, you don't need the money, but you're going to have to take it out and pay the taxes on it, right? But again, it's not a lose lose situation because you actually save some taxes in the past and use whatever savings you have to hopefully invest. So, but at the same time, when you're actually still earning a lot of money and you're drawing money from your RIF, of course, it kind of 
hurt you because sometimes if your tax bracket is just on the borderline of between you know one one marginal tax rate to the next and then you took money out from the RIF, it bumps you up higher then you have to pay a whole lot more taxes so that's one drawback another drawback that you can think that i can think of really is it's not a huge thing but to some it might especially if you haven't really uh you know if you really haven't planned properly for your future special retirement um so sometimes uh because uh there's old age security clawbacks right so there's a certain amount of income that you can have uh uh before your old age security starts to get clawed back and if your riff is a huge amount plus the other incomes that you might be getting elsewhere and they all add up to a certain amount then you will start getting your clawbacks on the old age security now keep in mind the old age security is not based on how much money you made and contributed throughout your lifetime in canada it's based on how many years you've lived in canada since you're 18 years old right so that amount is is money that you accumulate whether you work or not that as a benefit as long as you're living here in canada um so uh, that's another drawback of that another draw drawback might be just the timing right uh because uh, let's just say that you are a very aggressive investor and you have everything in some penny stocks uh and hopefully your advisor did not advise you that if they did then that will be a problem so but then let's just say you did it on your own and now you're a riff uh you know income earner and you are still there because you're holding on to it for some reason then all of a sudden something happened in the market and it tanked so then there's a problem when you're starting to withdraw money from that because the money is down right and you're taking money out of the riff and then when you start taking it out and your money's down it's harder for you to recuperate all the losses so there's a few different things but not a whole lot on the drawbacks but I think we're also going to talk a little bit later about some of the things that other things that who you had in mind about you know what are some of the things that the traps and all that so we'll talk a little bit more about that but I think we also want to talk about um, the benefits okay so before we jump into the advantages and benefits of the riff I just want to come back to um, that um, drawback that you mentioned about timing and so I think the timing is very important and it has probably nothing to do with penny stocks uh, you know if if the market is down 25 30 percent like it was in 2008 2009 or even the December 2019 uh, when it was down uh, and let's say the market did not recuperate you have to take a minimum out of so that 5.28 percent at age 71 you're gonna have to take that amount out uh, when the market has dropped uh, a significant amount and when the market drops one may be invested in a index fund or ETF or even in uh, a stock like Apple Tesla whatever it is when the when the entire market drops everything drops not just the penny stock so from a timing perspective you may be um, taking money out at the worst possible time and you are made to do so and I think that timing issue is really important, Ken. Don't you think so? So, yes, I agree. But then I, I just have to qualify that, uh, Vu, because, you know, uh, that's the reason why I mentioned, you know, penny stocks, right? So uh, because uh, penny stocks could be a million dollars today and $100,000 tomorrow. Um, but you have to kind of think of it in perspective. So if you're retired, it doesn't necessarily mean that you will have to take all your money out and then you will not have, you can't invest in the market. So like I mentioned uh, before, I think envision your, your money in a, in a bucket. 
and that bucket is full of cash. Now, that cash could go up or down 20, 30% depending on your risk appetite. But then at the, at the bottom of that bucket, you have a, a tab. And you turn that tab based on how much money you take out each year. Little trips. Now, if you think about it, yes, the market may come down. But you, you open that tab, you take a little bit, the rest of it is still there. So you still have time in the market to be able to grow that again. So that's the only... You know, that's the only qualifying factor that I think you sh we should consider because that's the reason why you need to have a, a plan, a financial plan, because you need to know, first of all, where to invest, you know, how much money you need, etc. And then if the markets tank like that, are you going to be okay still? Okay, thank you, Ken. That is uh, an excellent point. Uh, so the fact that, you know, if even if the market tank, you're not losing the entire money because you're still invested in the market. But also, as you mentioned, um, the financial planning is very important because looking at asset mix and asset allocation uh, at time of retirement is also a way to protect yourself for those market downturns. So we've done the uh, drawbacks of the RIIF and you mentioned there were some advantages. So can you share with us what they are? Yeah, so there is an advantage to it. Otherwise, people won't buy into it, right? So, of course, the advantage to it is proper planning. It, because as we as uh, we we talked about earlier, um, CPP loan and old age security loan is not enough. And and as Vu alluded to earlier, you guys are, are medical practitioners. Most of you do not have a defined benefit pension plan, uh, so this is very important to you. So the benefit actually is, of course, you know it depends on each individual circumstance. But in general, <clears throat> if you're making if you're paying a very high marginal tax rate while you're practicing, you can save the tax by putting in more money into your RSPs. And then once you switch it to RIF, <clears throat> pardon me, then you start taking just what you need. If let's just say your lifestyle is not that high, then you're taking only the minimum and your tax marginal tax rate goes down. So you're, you're kind of saving that way. You're growing the money tax sheltered, but you're taking it out of the lower tax bracket. Now, the other thing, too, is, of course, just ensuring that you do have some money at retirement um, because, you know, I've met so many different people in my career. Uh, some people, they make good money, but then the problem is that you can see all their fancy stuff, but you, they don't have anything in their, in their investment accounts. So very, very important is that it actually kind of gives you an encouraging factor to save, right, by saving on taxes and whatnot. And also, it kind of gives you some guidance in terms of, you know how much you should be taking a minimum etc so it gives you that plus the fact that you are able to grow this money without paying taxes on any of the capital gains dividends and, and income ta and interest each year until you take the money out so you can kind of shelter that that way the advantages of the rif are exactly the same advantages as the rrsp and in fact it's just a conversion of one account to the next that serves the exact same purpose so uh, I definitely see where the advantages are. So Ken, I want to end our discussion on the RRIF on a very important topic to uh, physicians and healthcare professionals. Um, the reason is because we are uh, independent uh, contractors, uh, independent and self-employed, uh, but uh, some of them, some of us are not. So for example, the NPs and the PAs are not. But by and large, the vast majority of healthcare professionals, physicians, uh, dentists, uh, chiropractor, physio, optometrists, we're all self-employed. Uh, and uh, we are uh, high income earners. Uh, let's, let's not forget that. Uh, 
And so during this time of our career, a span of 30 to 40 years, we make a good high income. And because of that high income, the eligibility for RRSP is maxed at 18%, which for most of us can be somewhere between twenty dollars to $27,000 in RSP that we can contribute. And so when we do that and we max out our RSPs and we do that for 20, 30, 35, 40 years and we put it in an investment, let's just say the investments gives us a good annualized return of 5%. And if we did things right and we invested in the market, uh, even if we did follow the market, we would probably try to tap, you know, an annualized return of 10%. So if we maxed out our RSPs for 35 years, invested in a product that gave us 10% annualized year after year for 35 years, you can see that at the end, uh, when we are uh, having to take it out at the age of 75, that investment can significantly grow due to uninterrupted compounded interest. And for some people, it could grow as high as 3 million or 3.5 million. Some, some of us did very well and can grow up to 4 million sitting in the RRSP. So when it's time to convert to an RIIF at the age of 72, and I have to take a minimum of 5.28%. Well, if you imagine a minimum of 5.28%, and let's assume I've got a, a, a portfolio of 3 million, that's over $150,000 that I have to take minimally, whether I want it or need it. And in your example of that physician who's worked till age 75, he's making a three-digit three salary, uh, sorry, six-digit salary, and now having to take mandatory an extra 150, 160,000, that adds on to his income and significantly increases his marginal tax rate and is heavily taxed, whether he wants to take it out or not. And so I've heard many terms describing that. One of those terms is called an RRIF or RIF trap. Another term less pessimistic is called a RIF torpedo. And so when that happens, it is quite disheartening to see that all the amount that we have accumulated during our lifetime, thinking that we saved in tax, but at the end, we are severely and heavily taxed at the time of withdrawal. And that's why they call it a torpedo. What are your thoughts on that? And how can one avoid it? Yeah, so I agree, Vu. I mean, there are certain situations or circumstances where people actually uh, end up paying more with a riff at the end of the day. Um, I, I know of a client of mine in the past uh, who, uh, when he was younger, I invested in a very, very aggressive speculative type of investment uh, product. And uh, it just doubled, doubled. It just continued to kind of, you know, snowball. And uh, to a point where I believe his uh, our, our, our riff now is around 12 or 13 million, right? It's unheard of, but uh, he just lucked out, right? So, <clears throat> uh, and that's a problem because he's still, he's in his seventies, but he's still working. He's still making the six, actually seven figures, right? And he's and he still has a riff. Uh, so, in situations like that, of course, you know, those are the times when you're thinking, "Gosh, you know, this is actually killing me because now I'm having to pay all these taxes, fifty percent." Um, one way or the other, uh, we have to pay our taxes. That's just uh, something that's a given. Uh, but 
there are certain things that you have to consider. This is the reason why, you know, in one of our first podcasts, we really delve into and and, ha- and really pounded the idea of making sure that you have a proper financial plan because you need to think through this for the long term. Um, and you're right, it's not necessarily a uh it's not necessarily a cookie cutter solution for everybody because like i said uh throughout all our different podcasts you know every single person has their own different circumstance you got to look into it and see what makes more sense to you right so yes you can fall into that trap and now you're gonna have to kind of figure out okay i gotta pay my taxes i think i think in your example of your client that has a riff of 12 million and above is kind of exceptional uh you're right you know most of us, uh, if we even did things right, would probably not end up with that amount of money. Uh, and um, and to be honest, even if we did things, you know, haphazardly, uh, and we uh, you know accumulate an annualized return of five to ten percent over thirty-five years, um, and we maxed out our RRSP, we can easily end up in the three million dollars in the RRIF at the end at age seventy-one. So if you imagine a 5.28% of 3 million, that's 160 grand minimum. And even if I did not work at all and I decided to take vacation and stop working at age 71, I have a minimal income of 160,000 that year at age 72. And so at 160,000 per year at age 72, at the current marginal tax rate, we're still talking about 51%. So even if I did not work at all at age 72, currently I would still have to shoulder a tax burden uh, based on 160,000. So not to, not to say that, you know, that example is not a great example, but even for the regular folks who is making a six figure or even a, a five figure, uh, if we did things right, we can reach those amounts at the end of the day. And so this is a, a significant trap that people need to understand and look for. And I absolutely agree with what you just said in terms of planning. So really need to plan. And you don't do the planning at the age of 55 when you're thinking about retirement. You do the planning at the age of 30, 35 when you start working. And you work with an individual like yourself, someone who has the expertise to look 25, 30 years down the road and, and ask people and mention to people where their traps are and what are their goals in life and how to properly plan for retirement. And I absolutely agree with you. Planning for retirement doesn't start at retirement. Planning for retirement starts the day you start working. Correct, Ken? Yeah, definitely. It's so important to start as early as you can. The sooner you start, the better it will be for you. Um, but uh, one of the things that I also wanted to add to that, Vu, is that you guys need to start thinking through. So, voice point is important because you may be one of those individuals who really are good at saving, and then you end up actually getting millions in your rifts and RSPs. Uh, but you may also be on the other uh, side of the coin. But one of the things you can—that's the reason why you need a professional to help you—is to think through the tax splitting plan. You know, how do you do this? So, if you were if you're making all this money. Uh, one, one, uh, one thing you have to start thinking through or ask your financial advisor about is income tax splitting. So that's the reason why there's what you call the spousal RRSPs as well. So if you do have all that money, you might want to consider if your spouse is a stay-at-home mom or dad 
then you can go ahead and set up an account, a spousal account for them, and maybe split that uh, that money in with them so that at the end of the day, when it's time for you to go for a riff, the money is actually a little bit less than what it is today. Other thing that you need to think through, which actually applies to your riffs, uh, is really your estate. Because, you know, when Vu talks about riff traps, um, if you're actually older and you're still practicing and you have, you know, millions in your, in your riffs, then you're thinking, okay, if I pass away today, uh, then how much money will, how much taxes will my loved ones have to pay? If you are between spouses, it rolls over. But after the, the surviving spouse passes, then that's a huge tax implication. Absolutely, Ken. And I think you're thinking one step even further than what I was thinking about. So definitely, thank you for sharing that. We are talking about RIF here and the RIF trap or RIF torpedo. Uh, and these are definitely uh, things that we need to be aware of and look 30, 40 years down the line. Uh, and the planning starts from day one of work. And so there are definitely ways to mitigate this. And one of the ways to mitigate this is actually not contributing to an RRSP. Because if you don't contribute to an RSP, then you don't have to convert it into a RIF. So the question is, how do I save for retirement without an RSP? What other vehicles can I use? What other method can I use for retirement? Now we can look back at the podcast on insurance, especially on universal life insurance and whole life insurance, which we talked about the participating life. And so there are different strategies that could be used using participating life insurance as a retirement plan. And so definitely RRSPs and RIF are not the only vehicles for retirement. There's also insurance products which we will dive into in more detail in future podcasts on strategies using uh, life insurance. For healthcare professionals who are high income earners, maxing out the RRSPs for 25, 35, 40 years has definitely some drawbacks. And those drawbacks are really tax implications at time of withdrawal. And so there are different strategies to be used for that. And Ken has mentioned one of them. Using a spousal RSP account is uh, one method of doing it. Another way of doing it is to convert the RRSP to a RIF uh, early on in uh, the career. So instead of waiting till age 71 or even waiting till age 65, some people it may be financially strategic to convert earlier, even at the age of 50 or 55. These are complex strategies that should not be done alone, and it should be done with your financial planner. Okay, so thank you, Ken, for sharing all uh, those wise words with us. It has definitely been very helpful to understand uh, RRIF and how this is the continuation of the RRSP. And I'm glad we had some uh, time to talk about the mechanistics uh, behind the uh, the account. So thank you very much, Ken. Uh, it has been a great time spending with you, and I hope that uh, you will join us next time for a different topic. Yep. Uh, thanks for any time. So uh, I, I'm just my only hope is that we are able to help people, educate them, and that they will be able to act upon this, so that they can be prepared for retirement too. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. 
Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice. Thank you.